Hey guys, just hijacking your ears before the podcast show gets started. Wanted to let you know that my cookbook EAT is now available. EAT stands for education at the table and EAT is designed to not only be a collection of really delicious whole food recipes, but also a resource to teach you all about macronutrient balanced eating. It'll teach you what macronutrients are, how to put them together, and really looking at things through a no BS approach as we like to do at the JCN Clinic. If you'd like to get a copy of it, you can do so through the website or you can just head to the show notes and just click on the link. Okay, on with the show. You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Welcome to another episode of the JCN Clinic Podcast Show. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. I'm Paige. <laughs> wow, we nailed that. <laughs> and yes, as you heard today, you have three of us with you. Myself here in Victoria and Carissa and Paige in the JCN Clinic. And today we're going to be talking about menopause, a little bit in regards to perimenopause, of course, but really overall we want to dive deep into menopause. Paige and I did a live on this topic on the Friday just past, which a lot of you enjoyed and had questions about, so we promised we'd dive in a little bit deeper. Uh, And it's also a topic we've been meaning to cover in more depth. When Chrissa and I are together, we tend to pull away from it I think it's just just a personal thing where our passions lie elsewhere but it's not just about us is it Carissa no Jess it's not (laughs) so today we want to yeah really get into this excuse me a little bit more in depth and break down what goes on with menopause and the perimenopause space, but really explain a lot about what we can do as practitioners to help guide women through this space. And I think break down maybe some of the myths around it um, and also what treatments are involved with menopause, inverted commas, I say treatments, um, maybe in a mainstream world as opposed to what we would do again using nutrition and lifestyle, etc. So to get started... Let's bring it back to the basics of talking about what menopause is. And again, I guess perimenopause falls into that. So Paige, (laughs) do you want to start by just, again, as you did on Friday, giving people an understanding of what essentially menopause is and what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. So menopause is essentially the, like the end of our, period or like a cycle essentially like this it's when we're um our ovaries are not uh producing eggs anymore essentially or we're not ovulating anymore so that's essentially menopause when you kind of stop menstruating you stop producing those hormones to ovulate or 
produce eggs essentially from mm-hmm. our, our ovaries. Um, and perimenopause is obviously the stage leading up to that where um, most women start to experience the symptoms in that perimenopausal, those stages, I guess, where we mm-hmm. kind of think it's just menopause. You don't, We don't really, I guess, well, we talk about perimenopause, but it's always just like menopause symptoms, treatments kind of thing, whereas per- perimenopause is, yeah, leading up to kind of your the cessation of your cycle or those hormones, and your hormones are dramatically decreasing essentially, mm-hmm. and you're starting to get those symptoms. So, which we will go through. Yeah, yeah, so For sure. And there's there's definitely, um, I guess there's some windows that we use with those time frames. I guess you know medically they're thrown around, but what we'll be talking about is how that can differ. But I always think of perimenopause as a time that generally starts when women tick over into their 40s, which I'm in now, but I must admit I don't really feel perimenopausal, which is so weird to even think about. Um, And it can be something that can go on for years and years and years before women start to maybe experience any type of symptoms, again, which we'll cover. And then when menopause itself does kick in, we're usually looking at a woman not having her period for at least a year. So it's kind of a a funny sort of blurred zone where the cycle itself can start to be all over the shop and you may not have a period for like three or four months and then it comes on and women are like, oh, I'm menopausal. And it's like, well, that's actually more perimenopausal, but I don't know, like it's so it's so hard because someone can be having their period every three or four months and getting all of the crazy symptoms of menopause with that. So I think it's interesting to highlight the different phases in regards to maybe the timeframes of our lives and, and classically, it's like IBS, right? It's like you ask a doctor what's IBS and be like, it's this amount of diarrhea and constipation over this amount of days and... Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's just yeah. interesting how it's it's got these textbook explanations, and then then you look at women and ask women, they're like, yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that's just because everyone's so different. And I think like I think the thing with like perimenopause and menopause, and the reason it is so different is because a we're all so different, yeah. but b there's yeah. so many factors that influence how and when this happens, and to what severity. And, Mm. you know, those transitions, how seamless or not seamless they are for women. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, you know, because you you have some women who basically bloody cruise through perimenopause and menopause Mm -hmm. and, yeah, they get some of the hot flushes and, you know, their period becomes a bit haphazard and all of a sudden it drops away and they go, they get maybe some night sweats and hot flushes and they just kind of roll with the punches and ride it out and it's done. And then you have the opposite end of the scale, which is probably more what we see in terms of Mm. treating where it's a a shit show nightmare for a lot of women as well. (laughs) (laughs) Technical (laughs) term. probably not the right word to use. (laughs) Not talking about your gut, talking about your hormones, but... (laughs) It's messy, basically. It's messy. (laughs) So, as Paige said, essentially we're getting a period... Um, of time where, where well, sorry, I am just going to turn my phone off because it is going bing, bing in the background. Rookie error. <laughs> but as you were saying, Paige, we've got um, a reduction of eggs being produced right through to where we're no longer producing eggs anymore, which 
essentially leads to menopause itself. But let's talk about what's going on there as far as the drop in those hormones being produced by the body and also how that starts to lead to the symptoms that women can experience in this area, which is so multifaceted and so <laughs> varied. Um, and I would say also it's an interesting little cycle of what affects what, like, you know, certain symptoms you're like, is that because this is happening with your hormones or is it because this is causing this because of your hormones and then it's just making you really angry and frustrated? You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, like our estrogen and our progesterone are probably the main two hormones that we think about when, you know, all the main kind of hormones that get talked about. Obviously, we think about other hormones, which we probably will mention later, but like your DHEA and cortisol and insulin. But for the sake of just being the basic bitch, um, estrogen <laughs> and progesterone. Um, so basically we get a decline in estrogen so then we're not producing eggs, we're not ovulating. And when we're not ovulating, we're not producing progesterone because when we ovulate, that's how we produce our progesterone. We can produce a little bit from our adrenals, but it's predominantly from our ovaries. Yeah, so I think that like understanding the hormones is super important because a lot of people don't really understand yeah, that there's estrogen and progesterone at play. But essentially mm. it's just a – it's basically just the body telling us that I can't make you any more babies. And yeah. I'm <laughs> It's pretty much. And I'm ready to move into retirement, all right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so I guess, like, what would be some of the, like, symptoms and stuff? Like, like obviously, I think the first thing that comes to mind I think of is hot flushes. Yeah. Um, probably weight gain. Mm -hmm. um, night yeah. sweats. But mm. then, like, I think that's more, like, actual menopause. But then, like, yeah. perimenopause, like, like, go through, I guess, for everyone, like, what girls would girls, ladies and women would be experiencing like with their changes in their cycle and then other sorts of things as well. Yeah, yeah. So you can get things like tender breasts, which you can get when you're, you know, when you have a normal cycle anyway, like PMS, as so part of PMS. Um, but your libido can start to change, so it can start to decline. You can get vaginal dryness, um, yeah. It's spoken about a lot, but it happens. I think it's a really, most of us. I think and it's a really important one. Yeah, to yeah, I agree. With menopause, like the biggest thing is either, or perimenopause even mm. is either weight gain that they're really unhappy about, yeah. um, or it is it's just that loss of libido and vaginal dryness and just not basically getting you know turned on or anything like that yeah. anymore, and they're just like you know husband's still or partner's still you know ready to. <laughs> And then they're just like, shit ain't working. <laughs> I can't get it on. Um, yeah, and it is really common and it's it's okay to talk about it too because there are things that we can do and, and support support women with these issues. Um, and, yeah, so those are kind of the main ones that we see in terms of hormonal changes and, and essentially symptoms due to hormonal changes. But there's also things like... Um, fatigue obviously mood again that's a hormonal one but just mood in general like can can be a bit lower like symptoms of, of symptoms of depression um irritability irritability yeah it's a really big one insomnia is a massive one as well um mm, yeah huge. i think yeah. the other thing that i was sort of alluding to before to, uh, with those last ones you're saying Paige, is that they all get so tightly interwoven because 
you start experiencing like the if the, the hot flushes are really bad it starts interrupting your sleep so you start having crap sleep or falling out of good patterns of sleep which can create patterns of insomnia so whether it's being driven by the hormones or not because it definitely can be with the as you just highlighted with the drop with the particularly the progesterone drops and even melatonin starting to drop off, everything declining. So lovely as we age. But even just the fact that the heat is affecting your sleep, then you have crap sleep. And then consequently, you're not going to feel that crash hot the next day. You're going to be extra irritable. You're going to be extra moody as all of us are if we don't get enough sleep. And so it's kind of like it's compounding the fact that already you're dealing with the hormonal side but then you're on top of that, these symptoms are exacerbating the fact. So, um, and I can't even imagine, <laughs> you know, dealing with that day after day after day. I know even personally, if once I get close to my cycle, I'll start having a few restless nights, which will make me, if I'm already moody on top of the fact I haven't slept well, will make me feel like more of a psycho for a few days, you know, and then you get here and you're like, oh, okay, that's better. But yeah, I can't, I can't even imagine just dealing with that ongoingly. But I just, you see how things become so tightly interwound. And you and I were t- talking about two page with the weight side of thing, how you, yes, there's that propensity to put on weight with the hormonal changes. But if you're not sleeping well and you're poor in energy, then you're going to be craving the pick me up foods, which are often like the the quick sugars and the sort of simple carbs, which give you that quick lift. So. It's a nasty little cycle sometimes. Yeah, yeah definitely. A beautiful, definitely. beautiful cycle to like look forward to. <laughs> yes. So we've highlighted some of those main symptoms that we expect to see going on. Um, and we've talked about how some of the hormones uh, are essentially wrapped up in this and because of the decline of those hormones what we're starting to see Um, and we've also talked about perimenopause that we're seeing that um, slower reduction in those hormones being produced what about how the cycle itself begins to change um, leading into this phase and I think we've already talked a little bit about the the hormones themselves but what do we sort of expect to see with the cycle too as we lead into this phase either one oh. of you guys take, <laughs> take stage take center I, yeah i see i see it be quite varying hey mm-hmm. like i see some women who will all of a sudden start getting a period like every two to three weeks mm-hmm. um lead up I don't know if that's more like I think yeah again I think everyone's very different but then I think as menopause actually draws closer like I think perimenopause like when perimenopause really starts kind of kicking in you start to see real obvious changes with the period cycle and that can either be some women are getting periods like every couple of weeks like and I think I'm not sure if that's like a definite progesterone thing like I would Mm. assume that it's probably got something more to do with progesterone more so than estrogen to be honest yeah um, and then, you know, and they're getting periods every couple of weeks and they might be a lot heavier 
because obviously they're building up a lot of endometrial lining and then mm. shedding it. But then obviously as menopause starts to draw closer and estrogen starts to really decline, um, that's when we probably start to see periods spacing right out into every sort of three to four months. Mm-hmm. So, and again, that's just the drop in estrogen. Estrogen, um, by nature, estrogen's role in just the reproductive cycle is to obviously build up that endometrial lining. And then obviously as those levels or that hormone starts to drop, we obviously start to see less of that happening. And mm-hmm. without progesterone and without an, an you know, a, a, an ovulation or a release of an egg, then the body, uh, the body signals kind of start to get a bit confused. And they're like, oh, do we bleed? Do we not? Mm, yeah. Is there a baby coming? Or not? <laughs> up to menopause is like I don't think it's confusing for the body because I think it's a natural biological mm. process but I think I think when we're so used to um, our bodies being quite routine mm. and then all of a sudden they're not that it actually becomes quite confusing for us as individuals mm. and I think I think like a lot of the things that I spend in just chatting to my clients about is trying to take the stress out of this because I think I think it's I think it's very stressful for a lot of women with a lot of the symptoms that Paige mentioned and then all of a sudden your cycle's all over the shop and, you know, then you start maybe getting hot flushes or night sweats or insomnia and all of that. And I think it does create a lot of stress and weight gain I think is the biggest thing that creates a lot of stress for women. But Mm -hmm. it does create a lot of stress. But I think like a lot of it, and I know it's easier sitting on the other side of the fence because I haven't gone through it yet, Mm -hmm. but I do think that like there needs to be kind of a bit of, like relaxation around some of this and just allowing your body to go through this biological process. And I get that, yeah, there's hormonal fluctuations and there's all these things happening, but I think if there's more understanding as to the why, then there's probably less confusion and less stress about it. And Mm. yeah, I think, I think that's something that I definitely see a lot of, like a lot of women are very, very stressed about menopause and going through it. And I just Mm. think, yeah, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, no. So I think it's it's really important point actually, and I think it plays into societal pressures as well around women. Like, you know, there's there's such a pressure for women to be young and beautiful and look a certain way. And I just, you know, I know this is sort of stepping outside the realms of what we're talking about to a point as far as nutrition, but it plays so importantly into it. You, we we have these outside pressures to be and look a certain way and then we're going into a stage in our life which is a whole nother, you know, half cycle of our life to live. Like we've only lived half our life and yeah. suddenly we're not deemed as current anymore or as like, something to be looked at in society's eyes anymore and our body's giving us all these signals about us um, getting old and not being useful and I just think that it starts to play around with how we see ourselves as a woman as well you know like we're not we kind of grow up thinking that we need to walk down the street and turn heads and it's all about the gaze and it's just and then our bodies are moving us past that phase don't even get me started on the whole concept of the male gaze. I think I think you're right. Like I think and I think I touched on this the other day and I think it's something that, you know, it is a really important period in our lives and a phase in our lives because mm. it's like that, you know, and they call it change of life for a reason because we've gone through those years of 
you know, potentially being a mother or the, those child kind of bearing years. And now we're at the point where we can probably get closer to retirement or get closer to, you know, um, having more time potentially to ourselves, which is yeah. not often the yeah. case because we have either parents who are starting to get sick or kids that are, you know, needing, never, needing never support. leaving home. <laughs> never leaving home. I'm pointing out Carissa. Um, <laughs> And just moves back at home at 35 and <laughs> yeah. she can just live in the parents' house while they go travelling. I'm yeah. smart. <laughs> um, but I think it's a really – it's a it's a period of time or I guess in your life to really embrace mm. the changes that are happening. And, yeah, I say that embrace, I guess, because, again, we've never been through it. But it's – yeah, and I think like we have all said, like there's, there are so many pressures to look or to be or feel a certain way but – it's your own experience of it and we're all going to experience it so differently and get different symptoms and it's just, I guess, educating and empowering yourself and learning how to deal with those symptoms as best you can Yeah, and, and trying to reduce stress. Like that's a massive factor when, whenever we see someone in clinic, you know, for anyone really, but especially in menopause is reducing that stress mm-hmm. so we can really, you know, those hormones are we're looking after those hormones as best we can and yeah. not just kind of a roller coaster of um yeah, emotions and all I think the place. I think too like and I think I think just like again we're probably like off topic a little bit but I think just like obviously this is what we see in clinical mm. life we do deal with a lot of perimenopause and a lot of menopause and I think the thing that I find probably most heartbreaking is is that there's, there is so much of a lack of understanding of, of the fact that this is a normal biological process. And, yeah. yes, some people's symptoms are worse than others, but there is definitely ways to manage that and look after that. And perimenopause and what you do in your 30s and your 40s plays a lot into that. So looking after yourself in those years is a freaking huge chunk mm. of that. Mm. But also, like, why spend – I think this is the thing that I see. Like, why spend four to five years – been so stressed about like putting on the extra couple of kilos and all of that like you're essentially not going to get that time back like your body is evolving and moving itself into its next stage of life and you potentially have another 20 to 30 maybe 40 years ahead of you like just kind of yeah like embrace it it. Yeah. yeah and I think like some of the most beautiful women I've seen are women who have just aged gracefully and not worried about oh getting Botox into the wrinkles and plumping the lips up and all yeah. those things dying like, the hair and dying. you see some of these beautiful women and they've just aged gracefully and you know I just yeah I think it's another just exciting part of a woman's life so mm-hmm. absolutely yeah anyway Which that's really, my thoughts on that <laughs> no well, it feeds nicely into us talking about the fact that it is a normal cycle as such because I think sometimes even in the way that menopause is used even as a title I don't know sometimes I feel like it instead of it being like just a something that happens naturally it's almost like a condition (laughs) it's kind of you know what I mean it's like I have I have menopause like I've caught it (laughs) and I think what we're trying to explain is that it is a normal cycle of life but what we want us to dive into now that you guys have started to talk about that there's a lot we can do to help to lead into perimenopause and therefore further into menopause to make that transition easier give or take because we are also different um but as Paige and I started to touch on in our live the other day there is a lot that we can start to do and that can be nutrition based which is you know that foundation for us 
It can be about the use of supplementation and particularly herbs, which Paige will, will talk about. And the other massive area is lifestyle and you mentioned stress management, but we, we started to, to touch on the other day about lifestyle as far as movement and the type of movement just to be working with supporting the body. So shall we start by talking a little bit about that? Um, and I'm not sure, Paige, if you want to discuss there's the herbal components, but also the importance of the nutrition. I mean, we're a broken record about this, right? Like as a foundation, how important it is. But, you know, do you, do you want to sort of highlight a few of the factors there that we might start to look at for a woman heading into this phase of her life? Yeah. So herbally, um, obviously, again, like every woman is different. So don't go out and buy all the herbs that I'm going to mention now because that's, that's not the way that it's meant to be done. Um, but there are things, there are herbs out there that really can support those declining hormones. And again, like with herbs, it's not that we're trying to necessarily change anything or, you know, manipulate the body. It's that we're just trying to bring more balance and just try to restore um some of the function of the body so that you can have a reduction in symptoms. It's not like we're completely trying to, you know, cancel it out because like we've all said just before, it's something that we are naturally designed to go through. So, um, yeah, but herbs are beautiful. So I'll, depending on what the client has come to me with, like obviously if there's insomnia, we can use things like um, lavender and kava and hops and valerian, like all those beautiful herbs to nourish the nervous system and to help with the sleep. Um, but just in general, like black cohorts, black cohorts is a really common used herb in menopause because it supports with um, hot flushes in particular, uh, which most women do suffer from. Um, but then you've got herbs such as like false unicorn root, shatavari, um, what other ones can we use? Red clovis, we mm -hmm. use that a lot. Um, Are some of those, Paige, um, sorry to interrupt, I'm just curious, some of those can help with lifting estrogen slightly, is that correct or not? Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. So false unicorn root, I'll use yeah. that, and shadavari, I'll use those, those two most commonly to help um, increase estrogen production. Uh, production mm -hmm. and then um, progesterone production you can use things like Vitex as well to support um, increasing uh, progesterone there so yeah definitely um, and then also adrenal support so like we said before stress is a massive factor and stress management is something that we will always work on with our clients whether or not they're going through menopause or perimenopause but definitely supporting the adrenals because cortisol has a massive role to play in that the weight gain kind of picture or like the cortisol spare tire whatever you want to call it cortisol belly um as we age so definitely i will always um i will always support uh, the adrenals as well so with whatever herbs i feel like is necessary there but i won't go into that because we'll be here all day yeah <laughs> i do think that's super important i like touching on the cortisol thing because i think I think, like, obviously going back to the weight gain, like, obviously as soon as, 
like I think there's a definite shift in hormones for women once they turn 30 and then there's another definite shift in hormones again for women once they enter the perimenopause years so sort of like you know those early sort of 40s years and then there's a definite shift when menopause hits and I think like realistically like I know we've had a question come through but like I get asked this quite a lot like at what stage do you start preparing yourself for menopause and I'm Mm. like in your 30s yeah do you know what I mean like yeah like I think the 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 hardest thing is when menopause actually hits and you haven't even given it a forethought. Yeah. All of a sudden you've already, you know, put on that, let's just say what page called the cortisol spare tire, but you've already had blood sugar or insulin and cortisol, you know, dysregulation for maybe 20 or 20 years where you haven't, you know, been eating properly and exercising and maintaining a healthy weight and looking after your thyroid if it needs help and looking after your adrenals Mm -hmm. if they need help and supporting, you know, detoxification of, you know, estrogen properly. And that all adds up over 10 to 20 years. And that's, you know, Mm -hmm. and that adds up in the way of weight and, you know, cortisol dysregulation and adrenal dysfunction. And then menopause hits. And if you get to menopause and, you haven't kind of given it a forethought and you've already got like sort of potential, you know, cortisol or insulin issues and weight issues mm. and adrenal issues and all of that. Menopause is going to be much more of a nightmare to deal with than if you mm. kind of got onto this in your 30s or mid-30s or early 40s and thought, right, okay, I'm potentially one of these people that I have really burnt the candle. I'm adrenally depleted. I've been a mum. I've run a business. I've had kids. I've done all these things. And you get to your 40s and you're like, right, now's the time to really start going, okay, in 10 to 12 to 13 years, menopause is on the cards. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I need to really start looking after myself now and really start preparing myself for these years because, like, it is it is fighting an uphill battle if you leave it that mm. extra decade. Like, it just so it honestly is. And that's not the case. You do have this small subset of women that never have to deal with those issues and yeah. cruise through menopause, but there's, a, I would say, at least 80% of the other women, mm. like all of us going through that will potentially, you know, get to that stage and all of that. Like, it's the, you need to start dealing with your cortisol and your insulin and your estrogen and healthy weight management and proper eating and not overeating or overexercising and stressing yourself out. Like, you need to start finding your balance and getting in tune with your body like as soon now. as you can like yeah. now <laughs> yeah it's such a valid point it's kind of like saying you know when do I start doing or implementing changes to make sure I don't get high blood pressure or my cholesterol doesn't skyrocket too high it's just like well it's a lifetime of building that behavior so yeah, yeah we might spend our teenage and, and early 20s being a little bit more crazy and drinking or whatever the patterns tend to be in our society but essentially by putting a really good foundation of looking after yourself overall through your your 30s like 20s into your 30s and onwards is the absolute foundation of what your body is going to pull from so it's it's so true and I think the other thing that we always talk about to go back to that what you can do picture is how nutrition and just daily food plays into that so if you are eating a really good whole food diet based on plentiful intake of of lots of different diverse foods that we always talk about then you're giving your body all of its essential building blocks and then it's a lot easier to work with people particularly for us clinically if they have that foundation and they are starting to see a decline in hormones and changes that is is causing their body to hold on to weight a little bit more usually because of that estrogen drop and the other components of the cortisol that both Paige and Carissa have outlined where we can start to maybe manipulate the dietary intake a little bit. And that is something that we do do with some women through that phase. Um, 
where we'll look at how much they're consuming on a daily basis and sort of looking at maybe a certain type of eating structure over others. But if they have that beautiful foundation already in place and it has been, then it's just a completely different story. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really important point. And I think the other thing nutritionally that we often use, which plays into complementing the herbs page talked about, and we, we talked about this the other day too, is those um, beautiful phytoestrogen based foods. So we'll start to look at how we can incorporate that for women in this space and use the beautiful organic GMO free soys and tempehs and misos and edamame beans and alfalfa and different legumes that are going to be modulating for that estrogen supporting and pushing estrogen down more beneficial pathways so we can actually do a lot medicinally with the diet which can then also be used in unison with the herbs um, which is quite a powerful tool and we do often find that with women in the clinic when we're dealing with hormones i would say more often than not we're saying okay we want you to do xyz and we want you to talk to Paige, right yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like i've seen herbs be massive game changers for like the perimenopause yeah. and menopause years especially with some like of the real chronic symptoms like insomnia yeah. and night sweats and all of that like nutritionally there's a lot there's a lot we can do to a degree with that but I feel like there's just this overlap where herbs come in and just smash that stuff out of the park yeah like like really like they just do like especially you know like just just it's like they just go in and tie up the knots do you know what I mean yeah they do that's (laughs) kind of like the beauty of them yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, like I know I've had some clients, for example, like you're talking about like black kosh, I think, and yeah. like they, um, you know, they're eating beautifully. They've maintained, mm. they're maintaining great exercise routine. We've changed their diet up enough. You know, we may have had to strip back a few calories, which obviously is not something we love going into with the clinic from a calorie point of view, but it really does kind of, it is something you do need to dive into with some women mm. in the perimenopause and menopause years. Um, is, you know, just how much they're eating, even if it is good food from a, you know, calorie-based point of view. But you get all that stuff sort of right and they're still getting night sweats or still getting insomnia and then, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you bring in that herbal component and it's just, like, the final, that piece to the puzzle. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So true. Multifactorial. (laughs) (laughs) So. (laughs) (laughs) But it is. What about what about some of these methods that a lot of women do use that fall outside of what we're talking about? I know we had some questions about that, but things like using the the pill in this space, marinas, you know, um, HRT. Obviously, there's a big space of that. And what you, <laughs> what do you guys think about them? And I don't want to. You know what? This is a hard question because we've talked about the OCP a lot before and we always preference this by saying every woman's choice is her own choice every woman lives in her own body and it's it's fundamentally their decision in what they do and I think that we've certainly seen with our clients that some people use different forms of synthetic um, hormonal treatment and it may work brilliantly for them they're just like it was a game changer and then unfortunately we often see the other side too yeah. Um, so yeah, any thoughts on that? I've had a Can couple worms. of clients that have stayed on um, either OCP or kept a marina in as per their gyno's advice to override mm-hmm. menopause. 
the women that I have seen do it, um, and it's only a small handful of them, to be honest, um, have only done it because their mothers, it's usually they're looking at things from more a genetic susceptibility point of view mm-hmm. and their parent or their mothers, not their parents, hopefully not their father, but <laughs> I think men go through menopause, but just a totally different menopause. time of Menopause. But I think, um, look, I have seen a couple of clients and there's a very small handful of them that have actually stayed on some form of contraception Um to override menopause and it has worked for them. I have seen it happen. I think I can think of maybe three or four clients off the top of my head that have stayed on, yeah, the pill or had a marina in until mm-hmm. they were about sort of 58 to 58 and taken it out mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. it's basically just kind of overrides the menopause symptoms. Mm-hmm. Long term, I don't actually know how that will play out. I think at some stage the body is going to do some sort of a reset um, mm-hmm. and just be like, okay, shit, there's all this stuff that's just I'm still holding on to that I haven't dealt with. I have had some women who have started to do it and honestly menopause has still happened. Like mm. they still, they may not have got the period chops and changes but they've still then experienced the weight gain and the hot flushes and the insomnia and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you may not get like the chops and changes that happen with your cycle but you still, they've still experienced and then they just basically go and stuff it. I'm going to come mm. off this. It's really, I'm not going to get a period anyway because they basically experienced the symptoms and stuff like that that were happening anyway. Mm-hmm. Um I have seen a lot of women just maybe for, from a probably purely more like a, a sex drive point of view use like progesterone creams and mm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I haven't seen any issues with those, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just purely more like just so when we're talking about like vaginal dryness and stuff before, like just using different different types of, you know, hormone-based creams yeah. just to basically keep a libido up. But that's mm-hmm. more of a, like a topical application or something yeah. like that. So I haven't seen as many issues with that. Um, HRT I'm obviously not a fan of and I honestly just think I do get it when they're talking about like bone mineral density and stuff like that keeping some form of synthetic estrogen in the body um, just to to, you know if there's a risk of osteoporosis or really terrible menopause symptoms personally I'm not a fan of that I think any sort of synthetic estrogen in the body poses um, very detrimental and potential health risks in terms of um, estrogen based cancers and especially if you have a genetic susceptibility which a lot of women don't know whether or not they do I think you know the rise of estrogen based cancers and we're talking about ovarian cancers uterine cancers Mm. breast cancers um I just I think it's such it's not a new space but I think our understanding and of it is becoming much broader now and I think Mm. everyone's just kind of gone into it well if I don't have a BRCA1 gene I'm not really at risk of an estrogen based cancer and we now know that that's not the case Mm -hmm. there's so many other genetic factors that influence estrogen and how it's metabolized and its role in potential cancers and damaging DNA and things like that. So I'm personally not a fan of any synthetic estrogen in the body, whether it be the oral contraceptive pill, HRT, or anything like that for a long period of time, especially if it's to override a natural biological process in the body. Yeah, um, that's where my issue is. Yeah. Is that, like we've all spoken about, it's a natural thing that we all potentially yeah. should go through and it's just another, you know, phase in our life I just find it yeah I just find it so interesting that a girl gets her period that's a change of life right yeah, teenage 100%. years is a ch- change of life and it's like let's high five her you've become a woman you've done this you <laughs> yeah. go through menopause and everyone's like you're fucked like, yeah. like it should just be celebrated as another yeah. change of life like yeah. it's just but also much. remember yeah. guys that there's also like I agree with everything you're saying I do but I also think it's it's easy to when when you when we haven't walked those steps like you see some women who 
like have such excessive bleeding just month after month that they feel like they can't even leave the house or they have such excessive insomnia or such excessive like heat and flushing that it's like disrupting their life like I think it's really it's a really hard space where you know and I've seen some of these women where they have tried everything naturally and sometimes it's just not doing it for them and I'm definitely not saying like throw them on HRT but I think think it makes I I understand why some of these women do turn to other forms of, of controlling those symptoms because it can actually it's it's like we've talked about with insomnia which we've said we'll do a podcast on at some point you know yeah. when do you start there's that sort of like oh I don't want to take I don't want to take a no. sleeping pill because of the effects and it's just like yeah but what about the long-term effects of you just not sleeping like and and weighing these things up yeah. so I like I totally agree with what you guys are saying I do but I just think it's important that we also kind of highlight and remember that it's not always like it is hopefully it's like a it it's a good it's a, it's a transition and it can be supported but sometimes it can be a real shit show to use carissa's terms I, yeah, like, I totally agree with that i think if you have tried everything naturally and you've done all the work and all that and you are still it's, it's the same with like going on an antidepressant or yeah for sure you know, like it's, it's it, there is that space where like if you have exhausted your means and your symptoms are overriding your quality of life then by yeah. all means that's why we have these you know these alternatives i'm not saying don't do it in that case i think i've seen uh, i think the space i was coming for from is more that i've seen a lot of women go well i'm just going to take the pill to override menopause yeah. for no fucking reason yeah yeah <laughs> from the fact that i'm just like no that's not okay but no totally for the girl or girls i always class as all as girls mm. <laughs> but for the women out there definitely where insomnia is wrecking their life or their periods are just that insanely heavy yeah absolutely like if if that's your way of getting through and you have to do that then it's a necessary evil do yeah you know what I mean? yeah like and i think i think with what chris was saying too before and like what i mentioned is I think the part that probably upsets us or, or maybe frustrates us is when there's there's no consideration gone yeah. into what other alternatives are out there. It's almost like, you know, and it's a kind of, I guess, a societal thing too. It's like, oh, let's shut that down, you know, it's similar mm. to like with the OCP and obviously the OCP is used for many different things, but it's like, if a girl doesn't want to have a bleed every month, oh, let's just take something so that just we don't it. bleed. Yeah. And it's yeah. like we have to remember that there's consequences to everything that we do. Like, oh wow, that's a bit that's a bit deep. But no, like, it's true. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, there's there's always going to be consequences. Like, what is that doing to your liver? You know, what is that doing to other systems in the body that you can't run away from? Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of going to come back in a little bit, maybe sometimes with a vengeance. But I think. Yeah, there's always two sides to every story and we're not saying, you know, one is better than the other, but I think it's that's definitely the part that upsets me that I think mm. is when there's been no consideration into anything, it's just like let's shut it down, let's avoid it, let's ignore it, let's not let's pretend it doesn't happen. Yes. Um, whereas there's like so much we can do either through your doctor with your gynecologist, through the support of them or, you know, through the support of someone like us or, or both, you know, yeah. there's a lot that we can do together so as a yeah. space. And I also think that like the clients, I have had a couple of clients that have stayed on the pill just for like horrendous periods, just like what you were saying. 
um, and just ridden out menopause on that and gone and actually gone through it okay. So that yeah. was like this upset of people, I guess, I was talking about that I started with. And I like, and I think then you just come in and go, okay, well, cool. Well, as as prackies, like, okay, if this is what we have to do or not, like, this is what you've chosen to do to get you through, like, with your gynecologist, that's cool. Um, but let's also look at what other things that that is going to impact from yeah. a nutritional point of view. Mm. So then you, you start like, okay, cool, you're definitely going to need to be on liver and gut support, definitely, because yeah. you've got a synthetic hormone going into your body. So we yeah. want to make sure your body has the capacity to deal with that, you know, through the phases of detoxification. And then, mm. yeah, what's it, what other nutrients does that do they then impact in their metabolism? So, yeah. So true. I think what we're highlighting here is the importance of informed <laughs> choice which is a huge part of what we've always created this podcast for, right, is is to explain things in a more easy-to-understand format and it's really highlighting from the start of a woman's cycle right through the end the importance of informed choice and and knowing what's going on in your own body. So if, if you are seeing a GP who's just wanting to throw the pill at you for something that, you know, you, you believe that you need inform, more information on, then you want to find out more about that as a as a young girl going into having your period, as you do at the end of your cycle. Like it's about having that information so you know and the consequences of of of, of what can happen with certain um, I guess pathways, but also how you can support yourself whole roundedly. So yeah, it's such a it's a good conversation to have. So I think the last things I wanted to highlight was we sort of talked about lifestyles so we mentioned it so some of the things that are worth mentioning here is obviously the stress reduction that Paige said which is a whole (laughs) can of worms on its own because there's so much to be done there but something that we had talked about was the importance of exercise and hopefully women are implementing some form of exercise throughout their life that works for them but definitely in this zone of perimenopause and menopause keeping the body moving is really important and there's a lot of good studies in that space where women are doing and incorporating strength training um, and also some form of more of a higher intensity training um, definitely study wise like of course we're talking about studies here so it's not person to person but has shown more benefits for actual fat loss so that high intensity sort of more hit style, but definitely the strength is a, is a real game changer for a lot of women for really encouraging um, the muscle development within the body itself too. And I was saying to Paige how much I've seen my own mum transition through her menopause really quite um, interestingly as far as the changes that incorporating strength training has made the physicality of her body and then I would also say probably even just some of the symptoms that it's helped out with so there was that um but yeah I guess I guess the stress the stress is one of those ones where you know we would probably be more inclined to say we want people to manage their stress but probably go back and look at some of our other podcasts around that topic right (laughs) because yeah stress is not like stress comes from everywhere. Like we were talking about yes. internal stress, external stress, yeah. work stress, family stress. Yeah. It's not just like stress with this like blanket 
of your yeah. like work out what your stressors are mm-hmm. and if you can start working them out in your 30s and your 40s mm. and you know start putting things into place you know from a preventative point of view or an Definitely. intervention point of view to really start you know making making sure those little adrenals are going to make it through <laughs> yes <laughs> but should we finish off with talking about just some of the other complications that um, are quite common Um, so there's the bone health component there's cardiovascular health and perhaps some of the things that we we do in this space to help yep This is sometimes, this is the fun of Skype sometimes, right? You kind of can't do that eye contacting thing as much as like, and what do you think? (laughs) Well, bone health, right? So I'll I'll go into bone health. It's, we are seeing that decline in the hormones and particularly with the estrogen, it it does play a role in um, the activity of the cells involved in producing bones. So we call them osteoblasts. Um, which I love that name. I've always loved it. <laughs> I'm glad you know I wouldn't have been able to do it. It sounds like a superhero. I just love it. Um, so the estrogen has a, as a promoting activity there. So what we can see is that we may not be producing as much um, of, of those bone cells. And we always think of bone as being dead. Well, I think a lot of people do, but no, it's, it's alive. And um, it's the reason that my wrist healed itself over time, even though Chris still pays out that it's a bit mong. <laughs> but because of that, this is one of the reasons that we like going back to the lifestyle, we like to encourage um, that, that strength type of training. And I'm not talking about women flogging themselves in this space, but it really helps with building that um, that bone density. But also we would be looking at promoting with women in their diet, different ways of getting nutrients in on a daily basis that will support their bone health. So yes, calcium is a big part of that. And of course, that's not just about dairy. And we've talked about that in the podcast too. But we're going to be looking at lots of leafy greens and tahinis and chia seeds and some of those soy-based foods we're talking about. But then we're going to be looking at vitamin D and vitamin K. So, again, nutritionally, we can look at things really diversely. We can be doing generally in this space some good just general blood pathology to make sure there's no deficiencies. Um, There can be bone mineral density screening as well. So I think working with a health professional is important at this space too. So we can kind of do that checklist. Um, What about the cardiovascular side, guys? Yeah, so the cardiovascular side is probably like I think through menopause and or like even into like later life, so much of that again has got to do with, you know, cortisol, stress, blood pressure, insulin, insulin, so you know, healthy like blood sugar management. Um, like obviously pre- like I don't want to throw the word cholesterol in here because I feel like everyone demonizes mm. cholesterol, like in high cholesterol. So it's probably I would say more like having an understanding of the inflammatory status of your body. Mm. So obviously as we age and as and as a woman or a man, but as a woman, like as we age, like our overall like inflammatory status really matters in terms of cardiovascular health. And that really, you know, plays a role into, you know, the elasticity and plasticity of, you know, your vascular, your vascular system and how that, you know, how your heart functions. There's a lot to do with, um, 
you know, certain like minerals and like magnesiums and stuff like that. So mm. like obviously as we do get older, our, our, our nutritional requirements change, I think, and especially as a woman goes through menopause and there is that decline in hormones, there is obviously I feel like like an increased need for like other like other nutrients, if yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, That's so true. So yeah, and I think is that what is that where you were going with that from Yeah, kind of No, like for that, sure. Like, Sure, and that's that's really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's so true and really valid. I think that as our body is changing, of course, there's going to be a change in what nutrients are maybe more required. Like, and we always come back to that bucket analogy, but I think of it like it's springing different types of potential leaks that might need plugging (laughs) because of the nutrient loss. What about you, Paige? As far as um, herbs in that space, that sort of interests me. um, As far as yeah bone bone health and cardiovascular health I imagine depending on the of course the woman there must be some things that you would do there herbally yeah definitely and um I was going to say too like how we're talking about exercise before that the heart is actually a muscle so Hmm. making sure that we are you know incorporating all of the exercise that you spoke about Jess um and trying to focus more on building that lean muscle um yeah, I think it's really important, especially for our heart as well. But, yeah, in terms of herbs for both, like, bone health and heart health, again, there are a lot of different herbs that we could use. Um, and when it, I guess when it comes to heart health, yes, cholesterol does kind of come into it, and there are obviously lots of different herbs we can use for that as well as fibre um, from our food. But, yeah, again, yes. there's, yeah, there's, there's so many different ones, um, like – um, just let me think off the top of my head. I can think of all the botanical names now. The common names aren't coming to me, but there's like hawthorn is a really beautiful one for our heart. Um, motherwort's another one. Um, I love some of the names of her. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Hey. Cool. What did you say? Like, false, false unicorn. False unicorn. <laughs> or How cool is that name? I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also like supporting – Supporting the liver as well with all of that as well with mm. the and changes and stuff going on. But yeah, definitely for bone health and heart health, there's a lot we can do um, dietary and herbally to support both of those um, kind of pictures. Depending on again, depending on the person and what's kind of going on for them. Um, sure. But yeah, there's a herb called Bone Set. Like it's oh, wow, <laughs> that's cool. So it's good for like when you um, bones like. Bones are, I guess, being degraded, or if you break a bone or fracture what? or something. How like did that. I not know about this? <laughs> well, well, I wasn't in your lap then, Jess. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, oh, had to make your bone balls instead. <laughs> One-handed bone balls. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, there's always there's always lots we can do depending on the person and depending yes. on what they what they require. So. And I think, you know, just to sort of finish up, that is what we're as always highlighting is that individuality of this space. Like we've, I think we've really highlighted so many facets of what menopause is about and and all of the complexities and, and where what we do can fit in and help. But at the end of the day, a woman is an individual and what her body is doing is individual to her and then also systemically what's going on and I think that's really cool in how we help women day to day but also for for you Paige where the herbal component comes in because you can 
assess and put so much into a herbal that can treat like we've mentioned you know there's the hormones themselves but has this woman got a, a liver component to what's going on is there a really strong cortisol picture is there potentially some um yeah some cardiovascular elements and you can kind of put that all together and then marry that with the nutrition um and the lifestyle and i just i love how that all kind of goes together which is i think why often when we deal with hormones we often like to um get page involved because it just is such a powerful tool yeah absolutely Tis. <laughs> love, our herbs. love our herbs is there anything that i've missed that you guys wanted to bring up before we finish up or do you feel we've covered everything yeah i think we've covered everything as always we always just want to like educate and empower women especially women and men yes a few men that we see but um yeah <laughs> we always just want to educate and empower you guys and just to let you know that there's there's options out there and you don't have to kind of suffer through exactly whatever like your yeah. three changes of life um yeah no yeah. beautiful yeah. all right well thank you both for that i think it was a really really good deep dive i actually went into that i think a little bit like carissa like going okay let's get this menopause one done and i've really enjoyed the conversation so i hope everyone else has um if you have any feedback or questions please let us know. You can do so through our socials or you can let us know on the podcast itself. So please head to either the website or into iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us your feedback. We love some reviews from you guys. We love hearing from you. And the more you leave a review, even if you just jump on and pop five stars, you don't have to write anything. It yeah, pushes us only, up further the chart wise. So when people are looking for information in this area we come up so it's a way of just getting this podcast out there more but otherwise i think that is it um and i'll put everyone's um tags in the show notes as i always do so you can head there to check out everyone that's been chatting today but other than that we're going to love you and leave you and we will chat to you next time all right guys have a good one bye bye